Hey, welcome to Bad at Love Podcast. I'm Tamu. And I'm Mallory. I really don't like doing intros. You don't? <laughs> well, my question that I had today for you was, what is your favorite way to drink wine? <laughs> what does that mean? Like It just a, means like in a glass, not straight out the bottle. Well, I mean, everybody's kind Although of favorite Although I have way. done that. I've done that too. Because sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> just gotta take it to the head. <laughs> Sometimes you can't have enough time to pour it into a drink, into a, into a glass. You just gotta go take for it. To it. The head. No, I mean, like, do you prefer doing something more like this, where you just have an intimate gathering of friends at a house, or do you like to go out, or do you like to, like, you just were saying that you went out to a winery and you did like a tasting and stuff. Like, what? How do you prefer? What's your favorite way to be like drinking wine? I like to be with my friends and drinking, regardless of whether or not I'm at a wine tasting or if we're in a restaurant or if we're at a bar. It has, for me, it's more of like a social thing as opposed to the unhealthy way that I was doing it at certain points in my life where I was just drinking in my room, literally taking that bottle to the head and passing out. Mm. This to me, I have a boundary set for it where I don't necessarily drink at home unless other people are drinking, depending on what people are drinking because I... Unfortunately, I don't. I guess I'm a wine snob. I'll own it. It's fine. But I cannot really stomach like super sweet wines anymore. My palate's kind mm. of been growing and changing in that way, which I think is great. But a lot of times, most of the people in my world drink like Roscato, barefoot wine. I can't do barefoot that anymore. Tail nastiness and those sorts of things, or like the Target cube boxes that are super sweet, like just super sugary. Yeah. I can't do that. So then I don't drink at all. I'm like, well, it's just probably better if I just <laughs> drink a soda. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as much sugar. Woo, that's terrible. That sounded so snobby, but also uh, it's true. I don't blame you. I'm kind of the same way where I can't do the $5 wine. I know that a lot of people are like, oh, but it's only five bucks or it's just, Mm -hmm. I get it. I did that because also when you're poor and you, you just want to drink, you, you yeah. do, you got to do, you want to drink. But also, you can find cheap wines yes. that are really good. And I've found, like, the more that I've drank mm-hmm. wine, the more that I've done um, just anything with it, I, just in general, the more, I think the reason I like drinking with friends is because uh, they tend to find other things. Mm-hmm. So then they introduce you to new wines. Right. And I enjoy that aspect of it. Well, the other thing is that when you go out drinking with friends and then they make you chug a glass of wine. (laughs) I will never live this down. I don't care if you don't remember it. That night was amazing. I do not remember. It was so good. You were were the belle of the ball. What I'm going to say is You made friends with every person in that bar, and I've never been a part of that before. So to see you, like, (laughs) not give a fuck, every single person you talked to, you were like, I'm amazing. And it was the best. Again. It would be nice to remember it, but I suppose <laughs> in my brownout. I was going to say, didn't you like find a card? You're like, why do I have a card I from someone? I got an email the <laughs> yeah, next day. We and got I was an email. Like, Who is what this? What the hell is this? And then. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. That's when we found out that. Or uh, that's when we were trying to like up your resume. Right. I was trying bar. to get a job because I literally just lost my job. <laughs> and. <laughs> The best part was that I went back to that bar, which is Marble Bar. Oh my god, that's right. Like many, many, I think maybe a month or two later. Right. And the bartender was like, you're alive! And I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) 
I was trying to shove water down your throat that night. You did not want to drink water. And I was like, just this right now. He also told me that the drink that he made for me, he usually cuts with water. He cut it with more alcohol. And so therefore. To be fair, I did tell him. I was like, she just lost her job. (laughs) I'm going to allow you to choose what type of drink you need to have when you lose your job. And Mm -hmm. he was like, I got you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he got you. (laughs) And I was still alive, apparently. So that will always be a real high point for me in in terms of my drinking. And that was wine and alcohol. Yeah, it was. I miss that wine wine bar. Yeah, but I missed that wine bar. Yeah, it was fun. I love that place. It was, it was nice so good. To be sitting outside. That's the picture. If you guys are uh, ever looking at our Instagram, where I put Mallory's oh, yeah. happy birthday, we were sitting outside drinking wine in the beautiful summer sunshine. It'll someday be there. Yeah, one day. And fucking April showers now, literally. <sighs> but I'd rather have showers than snow. <laughs> but I do that. That wine bar was fantastic. They had good cheese. Mm-hmm. I think the first time we went there, and I, we were celebrating something, and the lady was like, "Here's free champagne on us, or something." That, yes, that was that the day that we were um, that we got caught in a monsoon rain. Yeah, Mike. Because then we went back. <laughs> that was a good. We really do have some interesting stories to tell about. <laughs> Our life, our, la- our last days of you. Yikes! <laughs> when we thought money was flowing, and we did stupid shit like drink so much. Oh my god, we really did. And we'll, then drive home. That was a horrible after tornadoes. Never again. <laughs> that one is the like really the only time. And I remember this I'm vividly. It's a, we're laughing because it's an Anton Chekhov so play. Stupid. You have to laugh or else you're going to cry oh God, and sob over so the fact dumb. that we did this. Because that was that night that when we both got home at the same time, we messaged each other to be like, we shouldn't have driven home. No. Well, also, I was literally dodging like electrical You were. And shit you were in we a had bad no area. power. So. <laughs> it was just... At the, it was it was the first time in my life that I finally because no no other time I've always been like no why would I be a stupid shit mm-hmm. and that was what I was like that's how it happened yeah we felt like we were okay we did and we weren't so guys do not do that don't don't drink and drive we were pure God we, looking down on us the Lord type luck. was helping us stupid fools driving around in a goddamn blackout <laughs> I mean my eyes were not blinking I was like halfway through I was like we were paying attention. Yeah. I probably was driving half speed anyway to purpose to make sure. Well, I had to drive half speed. I think I almost did because the rain was pouring still. Well, it stopped raining oh, by that's then, right. but all the trees and shit had come down by then. <laughs> and so it also was very dark on some streets because they had no power. Jesus. Which was funny. So. He didn't get power for like three days that time. Mm, yeah, at least a day and a half or so. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Tornadoes, y'all. Woo, it's real. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into it. (laughs) All right, so this time we have chosen a documentary that was based off of an article. So it's kind of like the based off of a book. Uh, Based on a true story. Many true stories at this point. But you chose it from HBO. So how did you, did you see the article first when you found this? No, actually, I was watching TV late at night because I never sleep. And this was on. And I thought, oh, let me check this out. Because it was like swiped, hooking up in the digital age. And I thought that that was, you know, those topics are interesting. And 
we do have a podcast where we talk about love. So I was like, okay, let me take a look at it and see what it was about. And I thought, oh my God, we totally have to do this as part of... (laughs) As part of our podcast, when we come back, because, wow, it literally is things that we talked about last week in, in learning about the science of sex appeal. Right. And we had said, I wonder what it would, what it's like for Tinder, et cetera. And then, poof, it all kind of started to work together in a sequence. And now we know that it's a piece of shit. So, <laughs> yay! Now we know. End yeah. of podcast. We basically have proof that it's a piece of shit. Done. <laughs> and we don't need any information anymore. Just use this. We'll put it on a card. So if I if I were to break down this documentary, mm-hmm. I would say it's about young hipster kids in different parts of America and how they have grown up using social media and especially Tinder to find relationships and what those relationships turn out to be and how they form and the fact that hookup culture is now the most pervasive thing in our romantic, I don't want to say zeitgeist, but in our romantic universe at this point in time. I'm curious to know what you think about it because these are people your age. Well, you're an older millennial and these are Gen Zs and mid-millennials. So I'm curious what you thought about it because you're the younger one. I sort of have three things that I would say about it. And the first thing that's like prominent in my head is while watching it, I just felt sad. Mm. Like I felt really sad Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, for for kind of... um, Humanity? Not humanity per se, but just more of like it felt nothing. And that's my second thing. Nothing was surprising for me. Mm -hmm. So watching the whole thing, I was like, yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like this is more for maybe people who... um, Like me. Maybe, yeah, who didn't grow up with constant. Because um, the bonus for me, and I mean, you didn't grow up with it. No. But you had it in your life still when AOL and everything yeah, was coming prevalent. Yeah, right, in it. In it. Whereas I was on the cusp. So I'm not one of those millennials that's like, what's a rotary phone? Uh-huh. Like, I'm, I have both sides. I got one part of it and then I have the other part of it. And I think that's why I struggle a lot with social media in many ways. But a lot of it watching it, I was like, yeah, this is the reason why I've hated a lot of technology or why mm-hmm. I've, I've purposefully done a few things to not have that prevalent in my life. But it seems to me the reason I was sad is a lot of it just seems to stem from the self-control and people's ability to not allow other people's thought processes be placed upon them. Like it seemed really, really prevalent in the whole in the whole show that people were really concerned about what everybody thought, how they looked, how they were trying to, you know, especially the hookup, even just the dating culture where people were saying they were sick and tired of it and yet they still played the game. Mm-hmm. Because for whatever reason, they felt that they still had to play the game, even though they hated the game and didn't want to play the game. And so just over and over, I just, I felt sad. Mm-hmm. And then, honestly, I mean, I know that they chose certain people. I mean, um, a lot of people will say that documentaries aren't true documentaries because they still have a moral and a point that they're trying to get across. Yeah, I know that there's going to be some Generation Z that is going to be looking at this and being like, that's not me. Mm-hmm. That's not that. That's a-. So they're choosing certain people to show their point of view, sure. which is showing that technology has these issues. 
So there's the sad, there's the I'm not surprised, kind of a duh situation. And I guess the third point would just be that there wasn't really anything of like, and now where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of hard too. I mean, the my solution is legitimately like I've had to take breaks from social media. I've had to... Um, either remove myself from the situation entirely when I realize that I'm like, this isn't ever going to be the way that I would hope it could be. It just seems to me where a lot of the documentary, it just showed these really sad. I mean, that one girl who she didn't even realize it until she started talking about it and she started breaking down. I know, yeah. The one who got sexually assaulted. Yes. Well, and she two was, of them did. Two of them did. Yeah. But both like, of them. Both of them were. Mm-hmm. And them realizing like, oh, shit. Yeah, like, that was probably now, more serious than it, I thought it was. Right. Yeah. And just realizing that she was like, oh, fuck, like, that's that's what that was. Just the hookup culture of being like, yeah, my all of our Instagrams have to be a certain way or else our friends aren't going to like our pictures, aren't going to follow us, aren't going to, like, we have these certain things you have to tick off even if you don't like it, like, if you want to survive. And I'm like, but that's not the case. Like, you, I remember back in college for media, I was taking a media class. One of our teachers was talking about the fact that they were saying, what's more problematic? It the people who are asking for this or is it the media that's causing it to happen? And it was an hour discussion of everybody trying to figure out who it was. And finally, at the end of the day, we were like, it's all feeding itself. It's like a snake trying to eat its butt. Mm-hmm. We're like, it's trying, like, you just can't win because the media is trying to tell you, we're giving you what you want because obviously you're consuming it. Mm-hmm. So we're just giving you what you want and we're amping it so then that you continually want it. Whereas the other people are saying like, we don't want it, but that's what we're consuming and that's all we're told that we're able to consume. So then we just continue to consume it. So that's kind of where I'm at with it, where it's, it was just sad and it was, it was more heartbreaking because it, it felt like people just weren't in control like they should have been. But they don't know. But they don't know any different. Any different. Or how to be in control or how to, they're not, they now are conditioned not to really care about anybody yeah. else's feelings or even to think that someone else has feelings. So it's even worse, I think, than when I was growing up and I was a teenager and I was in my 20s because we were obviously trying to live up to video girl standards and, you know, what you see in the magazines mm. and, and all of that. But you, and also, that's darker skin people don't necessarily aren't exactly beautiful to begin with anyway which is all a fallacy and bullshit but you know you're dealing with all that i had to deal with a lot of that you know honey-coated complexion stuff when i was growing up and that's always difficult to do but i think in terms of doing it in this culture where everything is just about your visual and what you look Mm -hmm. like at least back then you still had an opportunity to meet someone and still get to know them and they, they know who you are as a human and be like, you know what, you're so cool regardless of, you know, whether your skin is super dark or you're not, you know, a supermodel, tall, skinny chick or anything like that. But you still had the opportunities to let your personality shine because you had to physically go out and talk to people. <laughs> and now you don't have to do that, which is extremely disconcerting. <laughs> it is. It's, I mean, that, again, I felt so bad that that one girl in the very beginning um who ended up later talking about how she had had a serious boyfriend who like she realized every time their sexual they had a sexual encounter it wasn't her consent but she was talking about how 
Um, Because it showed her go on that Tinder date and then it um, showed both of them in their opposite and how the guy was like, you know, you go on a date. You just know it's going nowhere. And then her on her side, she was like, I mean, I just don't know him really at all, but like a little bit more hopeful. Mm -hmm. But then it showed her in her home later and how she was like, oh, I'll spend hours Mm -hmm. on my phone looking through pictures of these women and being like, I will never be like them. I will never be as beautiful as them. I will never be like... I'm thinking, how is that healthy? It's not. How, but and it's she's never not the only healthy. one. It's never been healthy. Right. But like you said, it's all coming at us at this consistent right, exactly. rate. Now you can't just, you don't have to not buy the magazine or right. anything like that. Now it's literally in just your face. smacking in your face 24-7. And one of the stats they gave was that people from age 18 to 30 spend 10 hours a week on a dating app. Which is crazy. Isn't that insane? That is insanity. I thought two hours was too long. Holy balls. But it's not uncommon. I mean, I have a girlfriend right now who, I have a girlfriend right now, and she's going through some of her own issues and stuff. But she essentially, she's realizing a lot of things about herself, and she's been using a lot of dating apps. Says that she's going to quit them, but ends up going back because there's that need. Mm -hmm. There's that need to feel supported, that need to feel wanted. And she finally went in for a physical with a lot of my urge. Um, not that she's not. She's she's keeping up to date at least, like, making sure her vagina is taken care of in that regard. But, like, actually went in to be like, okay, I need to mentally take care of myself, physically take care of myself more. Here's my annual. And the lady was like, that's all sexual partners. And she said, really? Like, she was surprised. And I was like, yes. Like, that is a lot of sexual partners. And she's like, well, I didn't think. I'm like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm like, you're happy with what you're doing. That's fine. Like, you can have as many as you want as long as you're doing things as you should be doing. But you need to realize, I'm like, that's not normal. Like, that's the one thing I had an issue with the documentary is it made it look like yeah, literally everyone was having like, everybody sex. Everybody was just banging all sex, the time. Sex, 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 And I was like, there have been studies done that actually most millennials are not doing as such like they're only having like maybe one or two partners a year and that things like our television shows that show things like friends where they're dating constantly and doing all that that that's not realistic but i did read in this article they talked about that and what was their statistic that um the data that they got to do that study is not necessarily 100 percent factual so interesting i'd say the only thing that i know is that with technology and they they didn't they touched on it briefly because someone mentioned it. I would say that people at a younger age are being more sexually active. Oh, sure, yeah. Then, well, most even that I when know. they talked about like some of the the people in the documentary talked about the fact that when they were in eighth grade, yes, they were that's sending what I'm talking about and doing all that kind of crap. Well, they were like, like sending on. Oh, it wasn't a full nude, but it was but underwear like a bra and panties and, and gotten, she got grounded or whatever. Right, and I was it. like, we didn't have that worry when I was younger. Well, shit, I didn't have that worry at all. So, so for me, it was because that's that. I think that's the generational gap that I have with Generation Z, mm-hmm. where in my head I'm like, I would never do that, and I'm not judging people for who do because, it, especially in this digital age, it is a new way to be intimate. It's a whole new way to communicate and to do things. That's great, especially for people who have long distance relationships or someone who has travel like a lot for work. I completely get it, but I can't. Because but it's I, forever. it's forever. It is literally forever. And I know someone who he's what I would consider your typical guy. 
He's not a complete asshole. He's not, you know, like he's just kind of your average person. He doesn't always get everything all the time, but he's mm-hmm. not like out there doing yep. asshole stuff. Where he had an intimate moment where he had a, a sexualized picture of a girl and all of us were just in a group and he had broken up with her. But he was like, oh yeah, check this out though. Like we did this one time when we were role playing and she no. like went to go no. show his friends and all of us ladies were like, what are you doing? Aww. And he was like, well, she just sent it to me. And we we're like, no, 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 no. Just because someone sends this to you, it is meant for your eyes. Mm-hmm. You are now also not together. Whether you're together or not, that is not meant for anybody else's consumption. Right. That is a trust thing. Right. And that's wherein I think, particularly porn and stuff, mm-hmm. guys don't get that. No, it appears no. No. And I think that's honestly a huge reason why guys don't mind sending dick pics. I think that's part of it. Well, let's talk about the dictures because in this documentary, they do touch on getting dictures and the fact that... Women just laughed at it. Guys seem like they're like, well, it's not a big deal, you know, Mm -hmm. and they want them. They're sending pictures of their posts or whatever to me. But also the fact that ladies, the ladies that they were talking to were like, I didn't ask for this. Mm -hmm. And they literally, at one point, she was like, I'm literally getting smacked in the face with dicks right now because they're just coming at me. Yes. (laughs) And and I think it's different. I think when men do it, I think that it's... What are they showing? Well, it's also just like, it's kind of like sexual harassment on the walking path. When you're walking and people are yelling at you like, hey, lady, you're sexy. And guys don't seem to get it or whatever that it's like you're not giving it. Like a sexual harassment in that aspect, catcalling, is for their benefit, not our benefit. That's the same thing as a dick pic to me. I think that it's like for their benefit. They don't care if someone else sees it. They don't care. Because to them, they're like, they want it. To them, they're like, fucking my dick. Yeah, look at this. It's so amazing and great. And like to them, that's what they want. They don't care. Where, again, it's like that is for your, everything is for their enjoyment. Whether it's I give you an intimate pic. For them, they're going to share it with everybody because to them, it's this is for my enjoyment. If I give you a dick pic, I mean... Have you gotten a dick pic before? I have not personally, Good but that's also because I <laughs> Well, we know. <laughs> I don't do shit. That's true. You got so, to be in it to win it, girl. Yep. <laughs> so, but I do know people who have, who have unsolicited wise. Mm-hmm. You know, and I have seen... And, and it's funny because I had a situation with another friend who she, um, he's the one who initiated by doing that. And she, but yeah, it was one of those situations. And I don't think that she knew what to do with it. But I will say that while it turned into them sending each other things, she refused to put her face in anything because she didn't want that to be an issue. But it also turned into a point where whenever, because she wasn't living in Minnesota at the time, Mm -hmm. every time she would come back, she was so careful with her social media because she then didn't want any other type of contact with him. Like, it was like she would continue this weird texting relationship. And yet, when she was here, she was so paranoid that he would try to actually hook up with her that, like, she wouldn't allow any of that to happen. So I think, and I think part of that, I mean, I'm not saying that's everybody. I know that she has her own hang-ups. I know she has her, her other stuff. But I think that's interesting, too, where there's... There's an interesting part of media that makes it its own situation that's not real versus real life. And I think that's why a lot of people, and I I think this is in all aspects of of internet, but they think that they can get away with things through media versus in person. Okay. 
Yes. So they did mention in the documentary something called the Clark Kent syndrome. Mm, and mm-hmm, I wrote mm-hmm. down it lets douchey dudes feel powerful. Yes. So basically what we can interpret like a dick pic is like, look at me. I'm showing you my dick. Yep. And I'm smacking you with my manness. Yep. And if you don't like it, fuck you. You're a cunt. Right. Exactly. Which also comes into play when um, they were talking about what a Tinderella is. Oh, I know. I fucked that asshole and in I there. Was just he was like, such a dick. So I think in the article, they don't call Tinderellas whores, but in the show, they certainly did call them sluts mm-hmm. and whores, which is so double standardy because yep. it's like, how do you have the audacity? You literally just sat up here and said that you hooked up with like five chicks in yep. one night and you're not a fucking Tinder slut? Are no. you kidding me? In fact, me? there was that one who was like, I totally hooked up with two girls that night. And then they bumped fists. And then they said, and they were like, nice. And I, in my head immediately, I was like, you're lying. <laughs> I know you, you literally are just saying this to try to one up each other. Like, <laughs> it had nothing to do. You could tell that I was like, you were lying and you were just saying that fuckery. I'm going to call them Tinderonies. Because that's what they should be. Tinder fucking ronies. Goddamn assholes. So when, since we're still on this topic of like the sexting and the dictures and the unrequitedness, let's talk about... Um, All right, let's take a quick break. And then we're going to come back and talk some more about the same stuff. Because there's so much to be said. There's a lot. There's a lot in this film that they. I, I felt this could have been the series. <laughs> it should have been the series. should have been the series. <laughs> everyone we're your beer drinking babes i'm ashley and i'm naggy and we're from rock candy podcast every week we bring you a story from the world of music while drinking thematic beers did you ever wonder how much charles manson inspired the music you love today did you know that joy division and new order are virtually the same band are you aware of how weird kesha really is like how she had sex with a ghost do you also not understand what post malone is because we don't well, we got you covered. Behind the Music isn't around anymore, but we're here to pick up the slack. And be a little drunker. Yeah, so go ahead and look for Rock Candy Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you catch your pods. And with that, party on, kids. Party on. Hello, listeners. This is Kelly Nerdzilla Mendenhall co-host of the podcast, A Non-Mom Happy Hour, and I am hopping on to tell you about my book. Skin in the Game, The Stories My Tattoos Tell is my debut as an author. In the book, I tell of the significant events and pivotal moments of my life by recounting the stories behind my eclectic collection of tattoos. When asked about my intended audience, I like to say that this book is written for anyone who's ever thought of giving up, anyone needing the inspiration to keep on fighting, and anyone who fears that they may be too far gone for redemption. Mine is a new take on the genre of autobiographies, with full-color photos of my tattoos and other illustrations accompanying each chapter. My pivotal life moments and the resulting lessons immortalized in my tattoos are captured with these full-color photographs alongside the moving text. Throughout the book, the reader witnesses my navigation and survival of life's most harrowing moments, the death of my father at the age of four years old, the physical and sexual abuse I endured as an adolescent, the gut-wrenching loss of friends who died too soon, 
my abortion at age 28, and my journey to solve the mystery of the sudden onset of debilitating chronic pain and loss of mobility at the age of 35. The CDC reports that 4.4% of adults ages 25 to 44 experience high-impact chronic pain in the U.S. Women are actually more likely to experience high-impact chronic pain than men. Approximately 8.9% of adult women experiencing acute chronic pain compared to approximately 7% of men. Further, patients like myself experiencing acute chronic pain are more likely to experience depression and anxiety, loss of mobility, and loss of quality of life. I like to say that I am a recovering nonprofit professional forced to reconnect with my former, more creative self to survive. I wrote this book entirely from what I playfully but genuinely refer to as my business couch. In June 2017, my legs fell out from under me, literally and figuratively, and life as I knew it was over. This book is my way of turning my mess into a message. If I can help even one person survive the demented carousel that is the American medical complex, help one person feel less alienated and hopeless my book will have served its purpose. If you'd like to know more about me and my journey, the book itself, or some of my other business ventures, you can go to www.nerdzillakelly.com slash book. That's nerdzillakelly.com slash book. Nerdzilla is spelled exactly how you imagine it, just like Godzilla, except for Nerdzilla on the front. Nerdzilla Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y dot com slash book. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to my little blurb and visit my website. Pre-sales are up right now. Print and ebook distribution launches on June 1st of 2019. Thank you. All right, we're back. All right, so we were talking about the fact that uh, how Tinderella, Tinderonies, Manslats, Manslats, the double standard. So you said you were going to come into another. Well, I just thought that since we were on this same kind of trajectory of topics that we could kind of talk about pornography okay. and how that's now playing, how that's playing, a, how porn is now playing a really significant role in men and their interpretation of what sex is, what relationships yes. are, what love is, and what respect to women is. Mm-hmm. So one of my favorite parts that they talked about was when the girls were saying, oh, my God, you can always tell when a guy watches so much porn because, because their dicks are they flaccid. Can't, they're flaccid. Um, the fact that they don't know how to pleasure a woman at all, mm-hmm. that they, when they come in um, trying to do anything and you're just like, what are you doing? Why? Yeah, and well, one woman was like they use that as an excuse like Mm -hmm. they use their soft penises as an excuse to to go raw and i was like what that kind of shit and people do stuff like that that's and then they showed like a stat about stds becoming blowing out through the roof because of online dating and those sorts of things which and yet i i've told you this before i've had conversations with a friend yeah before Talking about being like, you have to fucking take care of yourself. You cannot trust these motherfuckers to give a shit about how your body is. You need to take care of yourself. And it is, though, obviously, whatever was going through this person's head, it was not important enough to do that. 
Because to them, it was the more important thing was this is what men want. Yeah. And I will do other things to just make sure I don't get pregnant. And I'm like, that. But it's not about pregnancy either. It's, no, it's about know, the fact you have to protect your body from STDs. STDs. Exactly. STDs, STIs, FBIs, NCIS, all of it. Right. Protect yourself from all I of I mean, those even things. just kissing, I'm not saying like people make out and stuff all the time, but. At this point, everybody, what is it? Everybody has herpes at this point, a, a, a vein of it? I hope not. Because if you, because people are kissing all the time now and. Well, I'm not. But then again, are men kissing all the time now? Because basically based off of this, this whole porn as a humiliation, as right. a form of humiliation to women, are they even bothering to kiss them or are they just kind of like, yeah, I'm just going to like fuck you and then like jizz on your stomach because one of those asshole guys actually said that. He was like, well, yeah, I wouldn't think about doing that in my real life. But when you see it in a movie, it's kind of cool. So then you want to yep. try to, you know, jizz on someone's face. Why? Yeah, you fucking asshole. It's, to me, then, that is an ownership thing. It's not saying that people can't do it, can't whatever, but it really truly is. It's like pissing on, on a, like, wooden dogs when they're like, and I own that now. Sure. To but me, I it's, don't think it's, it's more even, of a dominant I think it's more of a domination. I don't think And that's okay, like, if you're into a domination thing, but both parties better be fucking into it. Absolutely. And But as we've noticed, at least throughout this documentary of watching things, women will still do something even though they don't want to because... Because. Right. Which is really, really sad. sad and unfortunate. Well, and that's where I think that the miscommunication... That's why I think that we can't just do a type of health service in classes that just say like briefly go over it don't talk about it's like you need to talk about this stuff in class kids at age 13 are giving hand jobs blow jobs anal anal anything of that kind of stature and it's like you need to communicate no communication means more issues you need to be able to communicate and have conversations even if you think that they're too young, because I do, I think thirteen years old is too young to be doing these sorts oh of things. Oh my god! Yeah, and, be a kid. But if you're not willing to communicate or do anything about it, it's going to be confusing. They're going to get wrong information, and for the most part, because kids are vulnerable, and the way that unfortunately how a lot of things work in our society, especially with gender roles, they're going to be going off of particularly what white men are saying. Mm-hmm. And just they're going to think that this is what they have to do to get by, especially with the media. So if you want to have a healthy child, you need to communicate and be like, hey, things you see in porn are not real. Um, or, hey. It's sad when, that you have to tell them that. And it's just sad. It's That's why I just felt sad this whole time where I was very lucky. I had parents who early on did have discussions with me. I did have parents who, um, if I had questions, I felt like I could say, like, what does that mean? That's nice. um, especially, like, when watching movies. I never really felt afraid to be like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, I never yeah. said fuck when I was wow. 12. But, uh, it, <laughs> but I did was just like, what is happening here? Why did that happen? Or And then they were like, okay, well, this is what it is and why, you know. So I was lucky in that aspect. And I, it made me sad to realize that it's like not everybody is as lucky as I was to have communicative parents in that respect. Not at all. So let's talk about the revenge porn aspect of oh, it. Oh, God. Because um, – How? What was the statistic again? Because I remember looking at it and being like, are you fucking kidding? It was 1 in 25, wasn't it? I don't remember that I'm one. pretty sure it was 1 in 25 women are subject to revenge porn. Which is insane. So the, so when they were talking about it and they had one woman, Nicole, on there talking about the fact that she 
was a victim of revenge porn just because she basically told this dude she wasn't into him and then he basically scoured her social media and took all pictures of her and created a blog yep. which reminds me of that email that we received from someone who oh, had a, has a blog yeah. about somebody and i was like oh my gosh you know again all of this these concepts are foreign to me because this was not anything that was happening in my lifetime or in my young adulthood and growing up so it's completely alien to me that this would even be a thing that couldn't be that people wouldn't be able to stop or say this is wrong Right. What Nicole said was that she even she has reached out to everybody everybody to try to help her, including the dating app. And the dating app basically told her to call the police. So they do not even give a shit about the people who are on their site who can become victims of this revenge porn or stalking. And they're basically like, well, we don't know what to do. So call the police. It is. I think that a lot of part of that, too, is the fact that companies that provide things their scapegoat is to say you're the one who is utilizing this and it is your responsibility to use it wisely and i think that's bullshit well even so i wrote down i literally wrote down twitter's co-founders are full of shit because they sat up there and said we never have heard anything about oh i was pissed people who have been like stopped or revenge porn i mean (laughs) we've heard about it circuitously but no one's ever come to us directly and said it and then they started to interview the new ceo Mm -hmm. of the match group which owns all of these fucking dating apps and she's their first female ceo she spent like two or three minutes basically giving a list of things that women should be doing to protect themselves victim blaming and not men should be doing to protect themselves and also what they shouldn't be doing to women who are also on the site who decide that they don't want to fuck with you to me that was the most disgusting thing ever but also corporations are evil yes as we all know all about making money and they really don't care about you and your safety and your well-being and your health no when it comes down to is like i said you have to take care of yourself no one is going to do it for you especially not a company no a company is interested in anything but because and it won't even matter because you'll be dead yep or what and your reputation is ruined because some fucker decided to be pissed because well this one girl out of i guess 50 bajillion since they're all playing it by the numbers game doesn't want me and so now i'm gonna ruin her life i don't get that i don't understand that this is a part it's of because that's the, it's the whole idea of why people consistently say of stop telling women they need to dress a certain mm-hmm. way need to do whatever to stop it because what it needs to come down to is teach men not to rape Exactly. That is what it needs to be. And people seem to think that it's like, well, that's what we're doing. It's like, obviously, clearly, you are not. it's not happening. Because the way to do that is by having conversations. It's by calling it out, especially if you're already a man or someone who, like, knows that they can speak to this person and know Mm -hmm. that they will listen to you. It is, yeah, unfortunately, part of your responsibility to be like, that is some rape bullshit right there that you just said. Or that is some predatorial behavior that is now being spoken by you. Let's not speak that way. And it's such a weird, that's the part that I don't understand, is it's such an interesting, weird thing to protect when people call it, like, Oh, it's locker room talk. And I'm like, I don't understand why that can't change. It can. I don't understand. Like, that's where, you know, 
feeling that need to say, yeah, I hooked up with two ladies last night. Like, why is that something that you need to protect? That means that that, why, why is changing the definition of what it is to be manly such a hard thing to do? It means you have to be vulnerable. And that's just not how we, we condition men to be. Right. right. We don't allow it to we be. We don't allow well, that. I shouldn't say we. I should say the patriarchy is made by men. Sure. They are the Fair. ones who dictated and decided it is not okay to be vulnerable. Also, and then people played into it. I'm I'm not going to discount women as people who are culpable in this. Oh, God. White women particularly. We are completely complicit mm-hmm. in it. Are you kidding me? No. The white feminism wave movement that came through and then was like, yes, we need these things. Also, just make sure that colored people aren't allowed mm-hmm. in this. That anybody who's a different shade other than white is not okay. Yeah. I like, mean, it's also no. pervasive everywhere that you go. Mm-hmm. So there was something that I thought was interesting and I feel like I should change how I'm speaking right now because I'm not talking in a way that I think that everybody would like understand because like my voice hasn't like gone like this <laughs> and I feel like we really need to talk about like all the paps blue ribbon drinking that was happening that's just hipster and the Stella Artois you know what's interesting about that is the fact that paps is supposed to be the Isn't cheapest it? piece but of shit aren't they done Stella Artois is like <laughs> supposed to be really expensive so is I'm like it? choose a drink people is it though because they were drinking Stella's and some people were drinking Lime Maritas. okay I so I feel know. like it maybe it just doesn't out. fucking matter <laughs> I don't I give credit to the hipsters because when I was growing up, we didn't have that shit. And instead, I was the weird person wearing whatever the fuck she wanted. And now I can wear whatever the fuck I want. And people are just like, people are weird. And I like that. Well, good for hipsters. That's just my life growing up in New York because we all did what we <laughs> okay, wanted. Okay, you lived in New York. I lived in small town fuckery of Mom, Minnesota. So I mean, you anyway, went to fashion school. <laughs> a lot of the time when I was watching this as a person who grew up more analog than digital, Ooh. Um, I really felt like these kids are like so fucked up and they're just so pretentious and so all about image and so mm-hmm. full of themselves. Like I literally, because of what we learned about in our last podcast about science of sex appeal, every guy I wrote down there, Daniel, asymmetrical. Kyle, asymmetrical. Oh, my God. Everybody's face is asymmetrical. But the best part about Daniel, he was one of the first guys that they interviewed. Was, was he the one at the end when he had the the girlfriend who they were, no, like, having threesomes? Kyle. Okay. So this guy was, this was the one that went out with the girl at the beginning. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he yeah. was, like, you know, when they, when they, when they ask you, like, what your fun fact is, he's like, Oh, my I God, yes. Saying, I was related to Pocahontas. And she was like, Oh, my God, really? And he's like, Well, that's an aside. But I helped birth a baby goat, and they named it after me. And then also he said, I'm an artist, but I don't make a lot yes. of art. And I literally wrote down, This is how Trump got elected. Thank you. <laughs> I was so, I was like, I can't believe that she took any of that. However, she also is complicit in her douchery in terms of her dog is named Maya after Maya I know. Angelo. Fuck I'm like, off. oh, give me a fucking break, bitch. Like, come on. Me too. And, and the fact that his response was like, oh, I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah, it sounded like that <laughs> oh would be God. it. Like, come on. I will say, though, part of that was, <laughs> would any of this have 
actually been said because it felt like both of them had these prompted and that's wherein I'm like how much of this is a documentary and how much of this is like that they date? prepped yeah because- I feel like that date was real because it was super awkward and stupid None of these kids know how to talk to each other anymore because nope. everybody's just, you know, texting do, do, each do, other. Do, 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 or as one, the one chick, Cheyenne, was like, well, she got, she can talk in emojis. And the fact that, wait, you know it's love because you got, she got full heart emojis and not a face eyes emoji. I was just like, what the hell is going on? How has our society devolved into this? I mean, back in college when texting was becoming a larger thing, it legitimately was that we had to help at the writing center. Um, I would hang out in there sometimes, and the people who were working would help people write essays. Mm -hmm. And they said part of the issue that they had with a lot of the essays was because people were using text speak for essays. Oh, my God. So they were shortening words, that (sighs) kind of stuff. And they had to be like, okay, no, this is how you have to write it. And that's where I think, again, society fails, where instead of, I think there's a lot of resistance, again, why we don't talk about sex, why we don't, because there's that resistance there to be like, we're just going to stay, like, we're going to ignore the fact that this is what's happening and just continue down the same path of how we teach things. And instead, it's like, no, hey, we are using texts. Instead of saying things like, hey, we're going to ignore the fact that text is a thing. How about incorporate it and say, okay, here's what we were learning in texting. Here's what we're learning in how things are working. Don't accept it necessarily as essays, but you can still like, you can incorporate things that allow children to learn, teenagers to learn, adults to learn, while still like keeping the old ways too. Like you need to be... Well, then they get rid of cursive in schools now. Anyway, oh, yeah. Because they, nobody writes Nobody it writes it anymore. And to be fair, as someone who has to constantly read cursive anyway, like I get really upset and angry because I learned it in school, but some people, their cursive fucking sucks. Well, people just have the handwritings of serial killers, which yeah. is just fine, right? That's their choice. And unfortunately... I write like my parents, who also write like serial killers. (laughs) So therefore, that is just a hereditary thing that has been passed down upon me, as you can see, with horrible scribbles. I don't have the beautiful handwriting of my grandmother and my aunts. Not how I was raised or born, but I know how to write my name in cursive, and I also know how to write letters, actual letters to people. Right. (laughs) Which I think people still need to do. You need to understand both aspects of it. It's kind of like poetry. You need to learn the rules so you know when to break the fucking rules. But I feel like I don't give a shit about an iambic pentameter. But I also just feel you need to be able to communicate in other ways other than short, condensed versions of actual words. Right. Well, and the culprits are part of that is the fact that with these, like they said, they talked about uh, everything being a game. Oh, yes, they sure did. They talked about it being a game and how they're pictures. You get it in five seconds. Giving you a reward. And that's how they're triggering people to become addicted to it, which is what we were talking about earlier, where people can't not do it because they're now addicted to getting a reward for it. So it's like dangling a carrot in front of a a horse and making it go. Yep. Which is really sad and unfortunate. But I think like if you know that, then you could cognitively say, okay, I get what this is trying to do, but you don't have to let it actually be fact. That's the issue is that a lot of people, they think that because it's, it's that popularity aspect, it's the crowd aspect. When a huge crowd of people 
state that this is what they want and this is what they're going for, more people are willing to go along with the crowd than the people who are willing to say, fuck that shit. Mm -hmm. That's not okay. And it's harder because people debate about what's acceptable. I mean, I had one issue with, I would say, their little bit of a line talking about the rats when they said we gave them two because they were trying to... The put um oh the pigeons right they were trying to put gambling alongside the game of doing dating apps mm-hmm. and when they said okay so we did some pigeons where every time they hit the button they would get food and then the people who would sometimes get it but sometimes wouldn't they would just hit it just because mm-hmm. what they were saying was fun and i was like part of that part they're of me wants engaged. they're more engaged but they were saying you know they just do it for the fun of it and i was like part of me wants to say no also because if a bird learns every time i press that button food comes they always know food is coming but that's if the they whole don't thing. know that food is always going to come Fair. i would fucking press it all the time too being like okay this time it came so i'm safe and i will be able to eat another day like that's my thought process when i look but at it instead think of think about it in terms of a in terms of humans, right? right, and the fact of what we're talking about in, with this new culture of hookups, you stand a better chance. And they, the gentlemen in this documentary, were very, very clear on the fact that you stand a better chance the more you swipe. Right, and that's and that is. I've heard more often than not, men tend to swipe all well, the they time. Swipe it this all. documentary. Just, just confirmed mm-hmm. the fact that it's like, oh, no, they swipe mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. and then they go back and reevaluate mm-hmm. because it ups their chances. Right. And that, I think, also is the the disparity of showing where it's like women are looking for quality, right. men are looking for quantity and and whether or not like they can do with it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's more it's, it's such a disparity of that aspect. So what did you think about the one woman who she said, well, I know what I want and, you know, I feel empowered because, you know, I can say I don't want this, I don't want that. But then she goes, what I want is casual sex. So obviously she can say yes or no or do whatever she wants to feel empowered right. because that's the culture of what's that's going the culture of it. Of it, right? I mean, I uh, her opinion of it, I, I wouldn't say that it isn't um, valid. Mm-hmm. I would just say that it was impartial because, again, mm-hmm. like – to me, I was like, yeah, that's great for you. That's what you're looking for. That's all you want. And she said, she's like, you have to communicate because like as long as you communicate. But then to her, she was like, but also to be I fair, she's like, I want casual sex. Right. And when those other people, that's what they want too. She's like, it works, it works. out for me. Right. And I'm like, that's great. But, that's that, But that's not what we're talking about right. here. We're she's, not talking about the fact, like my, again, my friend um, who was going through all these issues and she was having so many sexual partners and she's like, is it a lot? And in the same respect, I'm like, you, yeah, you can easily find sex anywhere you want to. There's not a problem or a shortage of having sex. I think it was when people started talking about marijuana, whether or not it should be legalized and, and what would or wouldn't go out of business. I'm like, the two things that will for sure never go out of business is alcohol and sex. That is true. Like, you will never find a shortage of these items. Mm-mm. And they tried to. <laughs> they tried to shortage it. And instead, they were like, or we'll have these other areas to be able to get to yeah, it. Like, you will just have never have it. To go to. So, like, that to me is, I'm like, that's a, just an impartial view, essentially, or it's a nullified view. Because what we're talking about here is the fact that we have this hookup culture that seems to be becoming normalized versus 
the idea of, but how do you actually have a meaningful relationship out of it? Right. Like, and that's the problem that's being posed, and we're not, there wasn't an answer. There isn't one, because I think we're in uncharted territory. So, can we talk about Kyle and his douchery? <laughs> and um, I literally wrote down, Kyle, douchey musician, asymmetrical. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone's symmetrical or asymmetrical. They are not. All of them are asymmetrical. That's the beauty of hipster. But that's just beauty in general. No one is symmetrical. I will say that there wasn't one ugly person. No, everybody was beautiful. Yep. I didn't find Kyle to be attractive, but I didn't find him to be attractive. And he was also an asshole. So it was kind of like. And I thought it was interesting that that one girl who um, they specifically targeted for the. Her non-binariness? No, 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 no. I was going to talk about the targeted for the revenge porn. Nicole, yeah. And the fact that like. She was an average woman. Yeah, she was just a regular chick. She was a normal chick. Yeah. Everybody else was completely gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. in this film. And the one person who had the revenge, and that makes me wonder of the question of when you're beautiful. Because I remember having this conversation when I was on the trail. Because uh, I'm sorry, the Camino about? de Santiago. Okay. So I walked this trail for a while, and essentially I had a question of what is it like to be just like gorgeous? Because while we were walking down the trail, like was. she was absolutely beautiful and everybody was drawn to her. Mm-hmm. And so we had become good enough friends that at that point I was, we were talking about relationships and I was like, what is that like? Like to just constantly have attention mm-hmm. for a beauty mm-hmm. that you like, clearly you didn't ask for it, yeah, but like it. you have a lot of attention in a lot of ways. And she said it's tiring. Mm-hmm. She said that, you know, she gets a lot of attention that she doesn't want and but the way she handles it, especially as I continued to be around her, a lot of it had was in a particular way of playing the game, sure. because you don't also want the negative side effect of that. And so that's where I thought it was interesting, where these people who were anxious, these gorgeous, beautiful uh-huh. people in this entire documentary mm-hmm. of being anxious, of being worried about outcomes, about being nervous of what it meant if they were any other type of way. Mm-hmm. And yet the one person who is an average person, like more like you and I, sure, who just James. was just like, hey, like I ended up just saying I didn't like it, gets the revenge porn put on them mm-hmm. and just slandered. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting like balance there of like the person who was like, I feel like I'm okay to be like, yeah, I'm just not that interested. And the beautiful people feeling compelled to have to continue to do this in order, because otherwise, look at the aftermath. Maybe there's not a point there. Maybe there is. I don't know if you agree. I don't so know. So do if- you think that there's a, a double standard within within beauty in terms of, well, she's out into me and I get it because she's so beautiful, as opposed to she's out into me. Why shouldn't she be into me? She's just a regular ch- looking chick. So therefore, I'm going to make her life miserable because she's making me feel like I'm less than and she should feel like she's less than because she's not super beautiful. I think that there is a lot of that for sure. Um, I think because people do think that there's those standards. Mm -hmm. I do agree that there is that certain point of that. And I think that depending on how you were brought up within that, like the popular structure, how you were brought, you know, I feel like I'm able to say like, fuck off. I have maybe a thicker skin because of the way that I had to grow up the way I did Mm -hmm. and being more of an outsider and being more of like, I'm not going to fucking care then. Like, 
versus someone who played the game their whole life Mm -hmm. in order to now they might be going through their crises and other people have these much worse problems because of of how apparently categories are very important of where you are how to stay there how to what happens when you don't stay there speaking of categories we can talk about the fact that they actually interviewed black people in this documentary and gays in this documentary but not really lesbians which was really interesting well they did interview like one lesbian but still at least some of us were represented in this documentary and i thought it was really interesting that obviously it was the latter half of the documentary by the way they shine a light on the fact that black people have to think about the fact of whether or not someone is literally genuinely into them for themselves or if they're trying to go for an exotic look or check a box and the gays which i thought were the most that part was the most interesting to me was the fact that they talked about these dating apps and social media as being a way helps for them. them to get together and find one another and connect, which I think is really amazing. Like that's, yep. that's the good parts. That's the altruistic parts of social media in general, right? Is it, it brings like people together who might not be able to find one another. Oh yeah. And back in the day, there's this uh, music video by Brendan McLean from Australia where he, it's based off of a book where it depended on if you, like there used to be a communication where if you had a handkerchief, what pocket you put it into, mm-hmm. what color it was. Like it was this, this yeah. small communication thing that if you didn't know and if you were in the inn, you wouldn't know that this is what they were trying to do. But it was their silent way of being like, I'm here, is anybody interested? Right. Yeah, social media completely changed that. But also it changed it to the point where um, one of the, the gentlemen that were interviewed said, so now we're all at the club and it's changed our club yep. atmosphere because everybody's on their phones looking for somebody when we're all at the party. Mm-hmm. It's like we're all at the dance and you're we're already basically here. looking at your phones for other s- stuff. And I'd say that's the commonality across, across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, when they were showing people in places and friends yep. together, everybody's on their phones. Everybody's trying to take the best Instagram picture and then showing it or doing a selfie or whatever it was. It kind of takes away from the actual... Of what's happening now. ...point of being present in a moment and getting to know people and fellowshipping with your friends and having conversation and growth in that regard. And it happens... I mean, I went to see a play with my father recently and during the intermission after he got... He went off to go to the bathroom and then he came back... And I thought, wow, we don't get just one-on-one time too often. And so I thought we were going to sit down and talk. And he took out his phone. And he started to do stuff. And I was like, okay, well, tried to talk a little bit and stuff. And But it is. Like, it's one of those things where I consciously try to just put away my phone. Cause, sure, and yeah. And especially now that I'm not on social media, mm-hmm. I purposely, I'm like, I am here to speak with you because I have no idea what's going on in your life. It would be good to catch up, please. Right. And I think that's getting harder and harder for people yes. to do because it's more like, well, you saw I posted on Facebook and I'm like, no, nope. I did not, girl, because... I'm not on Facebook like that. And also, I'm sitting here talking to you right now. So right. tell me what's going on. Like, I don't give a shit about Facebook. I don't care. Most people don't anyway. When people say that they know what's going on, I'm like, you're lying. You care about what you're posting on Facebook. You can't keep up with you the can't. thousand friends that you have on Facebook posting through. And if you can, 
why are we sitting down chit-chatting? Because you are probably on your phone. Because I only have like 200, if that, friends on Facebook so I can actually see what's going on with people that I really do. But are they actually friends? That's always the thing for me is that people are like, how many of these are actual close friends that you're constantly in contact with? And how many of them are you just became friends with them because you're not going to... I've personally had a rule that nobody that I'm friends with on Facebook are people that I wouldn't talk to in my real life. That's why I only have less than 100 or 100 and... Not close to 200 friends. Right. Whereas most people, they look at it as, I mean, competition. Right. It's competition. For me, while I was overseas, it was connections of like, maybe if we see each other again later, Mm -hmm. um, if I know I'm coming to that area, I'll let you know because you now have intel on what's the best places to stay at. Do you want to date more now that you've seen this? God, no. I want to date (laughs) even less (laughs) than I did before. It is. It's sad. The focus, once again, was on young people and not on what happens when you get older they had some older folk on there but they didn't talk about it at all and it was that one guy looking at young 18 year old chicks that i was like that's gross but he was a he was, he was like also a psychologist, a psychologist so that's why that was happening again it's all old people looking at young people being like what is going on well, they're here like checking it out going this is not right so this is wrong <laughs> on all sorts of levels no one's gonna care because they're gonna say we're old and we don't know what we're talking right. about but we do know what we're talking about, and you guys are going to figure it out when you're our age and be like, oh, goddamn. Yeah. So, but again, it would be nice to see the flip side of this, of how this looks as you get older yeah. and things change. So when you are more seasoned and you're divorced and you have a couple of kids behind you and now you're trying to start a second chapter or a third chapter or a fourth chapter in your life, like what that looks like, right. I think, would be... Something that is would be interesting because I don't know, a lot of my generation, we're all in the same age bracket age area. And again, we're getting forgotten and left behind. It would be really interesting to see what life is like for us as well. So if you had a piece of advice to wrap things up, if you had a piece of advice for people who are going to be online dating. Don't do it. (laughs) No, because they said it that it involves so much self-promotion yes and it takes so much time like i said it's a love resume put honestly when even when i was online dating it's a real it's a hard place to be for someone with low self-esteem like if you don't feel confident and good about yourself this is not a place for you to be because it will just make you feel worse and for someone like me who deals with depression and has a lot of um feelings towards self-harm this is not a place for you to be unless you are really, really, really comfortable with who you are mm-hmm. and rooted in it. I'm still not. Right. And so therefore you will not see me online date because I it's it's too much for me to deal with. So if you're not prepared for that, I would say don't do this because you're just going to do irreparable harm for yourself to yourself. Right. And there's no need for it. You're an amazing, beautiful, talented, wonderful spirit. And fuck the people who can't figure that out. It's harder, though, because that's the only method that it seems that right. the youth of today have to find one another. Well, if they're always on the phone, how else are you going to connect? to talk to one another. Yep. <laughs> when they're literally sitting probably next to somebody. Yep. But they aren't really looking up. interesting and they don't look up. So that's the, that to me is the hardest part of all of this. I would say if you can have a fuck it attitude about it, fine. 
if you're a woman and you can turn the tables and do unto them what they have done unto us, bet, do it. Go live your best life. Fuck these fools. Take all their shit and do what you got to do. Get what you want. Wear condoms, though, because Please don't be stupid. Condoms. God, don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. But if, it, if you can't, don't feel pressured into doing it either. You don't have to. It's not... I know it's hard and, you know, we're all kind of conditioned genetically and hereditarily or whatever it is to kind of like try to find things and procreate. That's not the way that our society works anymore. We don't have to procreate. You can adopt. You can do other things. There are other methods and avenues for you to feel like a woman or a man or whatever the fuck it is to perpetuate feeling like you're matriarchal or that you're, you're you're nurturing and all that you have options use those options and make sure that you are a whole stable human individual before you even step foot onto this platform it will kill you and it will destroy everything that you've tried to build in your foundation i feel really bad saying that no no because i was gonna say add to i was like before you said your last part of it, I was like, to add on to that's what I was going to say. I was going to say that it's, unless you know who you truly are as a human and an individual, like it's really hard to find yourself through social media. It's unsafe because you are not putting... You're consuming, but you're not necessarily able to put out enough. You're conforming to what everybody right. else is doing, right? right? Everybody has to have a glamorous, you know, mm-hmm. flawless picture of themselves doing something amazing listen our lives aren't fucking amazing look at what we're sitting here doing on a saturday (laughs) right now we're gonna do this again where this is how we podcast like we podcast like this this is how it is we podcast like regular regular everyday lives hold on we'll 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 podcast like this right now this (laughs) this is what we do this is our lives like this is it most people's lives are not glamorous and exciting and fun and that's what social media shows you absolutely you the thing about social media is you get to take pictures and you get to pick and choose and say yeah, exactly you where you want what to put you it. want and it's not that and it's not that's not who you really are and right. that's not what your life is really about like sure i go to wine tastings and do all kinds of fun stuff but a lot of the time i'm sitting my ass watching msnbc in my house you know eating like fucking popcorn and <laughs> poppables you know like, that's my real life on a right. regular everyday thing. Like, a special occasion is I go out and I do something fun. It's not my everyday. Right. Be okay with your everyday. That is yes. fine. Be okay with your Fucking everyday. Post your everyday. Who cares? And I will also say, because I think a lot of people who do selfies, they get a lot of smack for it. And it's due to the fact that people, they're trying to look and they see, like, you're insecure and that's why you're doing it. If you aren't insecure, like, if you want to do that, you need to do what you want to do. It's less about if you're, it's, it's sort of like everything in life. Do something because you want to do it. Yeah. Don't do it because that is what everybody else it's is trying that- to tell you to do. And that would be my advice for it. It's the whole idea of being like, yeah, if you have low self-esteem and stuff like that, you don't need to get your self-esteem because if you get a thousand likes on a picture, the next picture you take, you're going to be wondering, why am I not getting a thousand likes on this? So you need to be able to have that capability of not like I'm doing this for myself. I'm not doing it because right. of such and such and right. such and such. That is where in the difference lies. And if you do want to play into that game, just know what you're getting into. It's know that it's like, yeah, game. you can play that game. Just 
You need to be strong enough to do it. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to play the game, don't fucking play the game. Play it the way that you want to play. Because honestly, it's a made-up fucking game. Absolutely. We can make our own rules no matter what we do. And I firmly believe that the more that you do things the way that you want to do and the way that you want to do it, like that's why when people say, uh, but this is the way it's always been done. Or this is the only way that it's consumed. We have been shown and proven that women films can make bank in the office as well. So the idea is... Black films. Right. Black films can Asian do films. Latina films. Latinx over and over films. and over and over again. We are proving There is this. a marketplace for everybody. And There's a spot for us all. Exactly. And so the idea is, is that don't play into what everybody says is the only game to be played. Because the idea is, the real idea and the real of it is that that's not the truth. Everybody can, like, they always say make what you want to see. Because Mm -hmm. that's more than likely what's not actually being shown. Absolutely. So that's what I have to say. I think that that's uh, where we are. So anything else you wanted to add before we let go? Oh my god, there was so much that I wrote down. (laughs) We only have an hour, Samu. Lessons learned is um, tag photos, shows... Oh my God, that all was the actually a full that learn. You can learn about things, and of course, it's the blacks who are telling us all the tea. So, but that's I didn't how even think about, about that. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, and I was like, Oh my God, that's so fucking true. Mm-hmm. I didn't you, know that. If you need to know something, look at the tag photos because your friend isn't going to give a shit what you look like. I'm going to be able to put my love resume out and put whatever I want sure. to make people think. But if I'm tagged in a photo, can't hide it. Although I will say. Indigo has an Instagram account. Yeah. My dog. Yes, we know. And one of my favorite things that I didn't know is that there's a German uh, music band called Indigo, My Indigo. uh Uh-huh. So her account is My Indigo. Uh Uh-huh. Their account is at My Indigo Official. Ah, so you're getting a lot. She gets tagged (laughs) in everything. The weirdest shit. And so one of my favorite things to do is I love to comment. Oh, <laughs> and I just you. put woof. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's what she would Because that's what she would say. The other thing I learned was that guys have one girlfriend per network, which was also interesting. That's not uncommon, I feel. Again, I live in a different world. <laughs> um, and then the most scariest part was that virtual and augmented reality will probably be the downfall of society because there will be no need for human interaction whatsoever. So think about that, people. You're not going to get your dick sucked in real IRL. You're just going to have some virtual lady pretend to suck on it, and you're not really going to have real experiences. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to get a sex doll or something, but then they'll put the virtual reality on it, and it will be a different experience. Mm -hmm. Like... So you won't need an actual human woman to do things That's for where you. the addiction comes in, though. Yes. That's where the people who get addicted to what their fantasy is mm-hmm. versus what reality is. And it is a dangerous lie to tow, and that's just going to be what technology always – That's. I mean, that's why AI. That's the issue with it mm-hmm. is the fact that, like, we're towing a line, and where does that line end? When it snaps dicks off in the revolution. Well, I mean – just watch X Machina. 
All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening, paying attention. If you have ideas on how the hookup culture is, whether or not, I mean, this was a pretty prevalent line of how they felt about hookup culture with sure. you. Maybe your experience is different. Right. Absolutely. Please Doubtful. weigh in. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Battle Love Podcast. You can find us on Instagram. Or I just said that. Instagram. Double Instagram. Double Instagram. Boo, 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 boo. Or you can find us on Twitter. Battle of Pod. You can email us, battleofpodcast at gmail.com. Live your best lives, people. Live your best lives. Don't be dicks. Be, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Bye.